0: Listen up, it's almost time to crack open a cold one and tell me what's on your mind. King and Michael Wellington flex a little bit of emotional intelligence. So before they get sidetracked, welcome to the Street Smart Mental Health Podcast,
1: Well, hello again, everybody. To all the veterans out there, thank you for your service. This is the Street Smart Mental Health Podcast. We are coming to you, as always, from the Lou Fuse Automotive Group Studio. My name is Michael Wellington, and the man across the table from me is my tag team partner. Many of you know him as the Natty King. His name is Brandon McNamee. Brandon, what's going on, brother?
0: And we got Brian Royce. How you doing, everybody? On the uh, Street Smart Mental Health Podcast. So just to give you a little rundown, this is basically just us going over our past experiences having guests on that have been through some shit and have some insight into mental health how they overcome it every day what they've learned from their experiences and we're just here to we're not professionals at all but we're here to talk about it we're here to bring awareness to it and we just hope that you get something out of this so brian you're from st louis area yeah right wildwood wildwood so you got a fucking crazy story really excited to have you here because it's a fucking super interesting story so if you don't mind just telling us, just give, just give it to us, man. Yeah, like 53 uh, weeks ago, Yeah, you were on your way to work. right? The Last
2: December 29th, I stopped on uh, my local quick trip that I do every morning. Went in to grab my coffee. What time in the morning? Uh, about 7.30 in the morning. Okay. And then a guy banged on my window and told me, to get out of the car, he's going to kill me. I got out of the car and he shot me, left me in my own blood to, to die. I stood up and I eyed him down. At first, I, when, I was just, when he pulled the gun, I was just looking at the gun. I didn't look at his face. But when he was pulled away in my car, I stood up and looked down and I could see his ugly star tattoo and his chewed off ear. So I was able to let Identify him. Identify him in that thing, and at that point, <laughs> I had to go into a life saving boat because I have von Willebrand's disease, which is a bleeding disorder. I do not clot. Oh fuck! Just add that to it, Jesus. So I used my coat to make a tourniquet. I was here. In walked into Quick Trip, and mm. then all they had to call the ambulance to cut
1: my clothes off because I was bleeding so bad. So, so hold on a second. So you got you get shot. You're laying, like, are you in front of the quick trip? Are you, like, getting I'm, gas? I'm on the side because
2: I just went in to get a cup of coffee. I okay. Parked on the side of the building like I have for,
1: for 16 every day, three, every, every morning for hour, who knows how long.
2: Yeah, it, it was just my routine. And when I first got there, the truck driver who got kidnapped before me ran out of the bathroom. And I thought he'd shit his pants or something because, you know, at 7.30 in the morning, at a truck stop, Quick Trip. You never know what's going on. Yeah. But I just didn't zone in on him, and I went and got my coffee,
1: started my car.
0: Bucket business as usual. Business
1: as usual. So,
0: so the guy that shot
1: you had kidnapped someone else who was already inside the Quick Trip.
2: Well, at the beginning of his day, his car was broke down on... Highway 64 in Southern Illinois, about 20 miles from the Indiana-Illinois border. Okay. The officer stuck his head in for a wellness check, just a, just a normal safety stop on the side of the highway, and the guy blew the officer's head off.
1: Oh, my goodness.
2: Drug him into the woods, stole his police cruiser, pulled over the truck driver, held him at gunpoint for the three and a half hours to St. Peter's, But they had to use the bathroom, and they picked out one because they knew it was a busy location, and they would blend in. But the truck driver made his escape when the guy
0: was in the bathroom. And, like, it was was like... So the truck driver, the guy was in the bathroom, the truck driver's where at? He He, he was in the bathroom with the guy. They went in together. Yeah, but then
2: he made his move to get out. Fucking took off. Yeah, he made his... he, He found his time to... And the dude doesn't chase him down, finds you instead... I'm right by the door next to the bathroom, and, and then I I give up my car. But and he still? He still shot me. Where did he shoot you at? In uh, my upper shoulder, and it went through, accident, and it split my humerus bone completely in half. So
1: it just totally exploded your shoulder? Yeah, and it,
2: luckily, though, it was a clean break where it didn't, like, explode because it was able to fuse itself back together. It was so high up they couldn't cast me. Okay. I'd be in a special sling and then with metal plates on the side with a wrap around.
1: So after you get shot, do you go right to the ground or did you go to the ground briefly and then walk into a quick trip? I, I fell down. Okay. Of course. Understandable.
2: Yeah. It's, I don't care how big man you are, you're going to fall down when a bullet hits you. Yeah. No <laughs> doubt. At first, it didn't feel like it hurt. And then I knew something was majorly wrong and I couldn't move my arm. Right. But I, I literally watched him back out with my car. and While you are laying on the ground? Well, I stood up. Because okay. I knew I had to save myself. I finally lay there I'd have died. With the ground? Oh, yeah. It, the, it was, you could hit, my ears were ringing after the gunshot. He And you, you can see on the video that he tried to unload the rest of the gun on the rear It jammed. Wow. Wow. And so I'm, I make my way into Quick Trip and I go right up to the front
0: counter. You're like, give me a pack of cigarettes. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> can I dip stand uh, Oh, by the way, um, you call an ambulance? Yeah, I'm bleeding now. <laughs> God, man.
2: And the, the St. Peter's Police Department, they got there really fast. And yeah. they were trying to put the clotting treatment at me, but it, it wasn't working. And then he, that's when I started feeling bad that I'm bleeding all over Quick Trip. Because
1: I've worked in retail before, and I started thinking about them. Well, you're too kind to think about that. Oh, you got shot. Come on, brother. <laughs> but then exceptions can be made. I'm standing in my dress shoes and have my smart watch on because the
2: nice St. Peter's police officer cut all my clothes off because she thought there was more than an entry and exit wound.
0: You're to stand there nude. And th- then i would never be a thorough. Then another
2: officer's like, you need to sit on the ground. Wow, I I'm I a little bit of a germ freak.
0: Okay, I have no way I'm sitting on a quick trip chlor making. we are having it. That's crazy. That's crazy. All the other shit you're thinking about when you a right, when you just had a bullet go through your fucking almost through your heart, and you, 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 somebody's take off of their car when literally a minute earlier you were just getting coffee. That's crazy that you're actually thinking of other people and thinking of other that's insane to me I think that's incredible but um, wow go ahead sorry I mean cut no, you. no no when they put me in the ambulance that's I started
2: getting concerned because that's when in, my arm really started feeling it because like it was the most excruciating pain I've ever had really the humerus bone is such a huge bone which bone is that it's right here right below the shoulder it's the uh, thick
1: oh yeah yeah connected to your bicep and tricep yeah
2: yeah, yeah. And every bump in the ambulance, you can just, like, it was just excruciating. Oh, right. I wanted him to cut my arm off in the ambulance. Really? Even after three things of morphine, it was just miserable. And, and I was just like, couldn't, I was just like, then it really hit me when the detective running in the ambulance calls my wife. And that's not anything a wife wants to hear that they wouldn't even tell her anything. They just said, your husband's been shot. She's going to the mercy trauma in St. Louis. That's all the information they gave? They would tell her. Wow. Well, and we're just riding law, and it's just like, she doesn't know my condition. She doesn't know if I'm alive. She doesn't know shit. She just knows I've been shot, and I'm going to the mercy <sighs> trauma one. What awesome. off? Wow. And then why all this is going on while we're in the ambulance and in the trauma room. It's kind of funny. The nurse, the nurse when I got there, I'm naked. It was during COVID, the big COVID time.
0: She asked me to wear my mask. With. I was like, oh my, oh, well, she didn't. I was like, I don't have pants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't even have pants. You're worried about well, my man. That just stuck out to me. I was like. That's a stupid fucking thing to ask a man that just rolled in with a gunshot wound. It's naked. That's nude. Yeah. I, I was like. I had hanging out, <laughs> yeah. but uh, no mask. Yeah, it's, that's. Wow.
1: Yeah, I have no pants, no wallet. You're conscious during this entire time. I was judging not like you were blacked out or passed out. You're you're witnessing this and feeling this and everything. is. Are things moving fast? Are they moving slow? The ambulance ride seemed like it took forever. It just seemed like an, an eternity.
0: Especially because every bump you're feeling your yeah, arm. It literally, even though it's
2: like a 12-minute ride from St. Peter's to uh, Mercy off 270, it felt like it was years. So it was just like...
0: Now, what are they doing while they're in Are they working on you? Or are they just trying to keep uh, you stable? The detective asking questions. The uh, paramedic is packing the wound, putting an
2: IV on me, trying to get my arm where it's in a comfortable position, keep putting uh-huh. morphine in me. Are they asking you, like, do you know your name? Oh, they kept at my name, not, where was that, if I knew the guy, if I could describe him. And then, like, you could hear over the radio that things were happening because, I. Like, by the time we got to the hospital, they were able to turn my car off on OnStar. Oh. So the guy ditched my car, and he held another man hostage, got in his car, drove him to Illinois, broke into my home, held that family hostage, until the SWAT team came. What a psychopath. They were tracking the other guy that got uh, kidnapped. They were tracking him through his Apple Watch and my cell
0: phone. Oh. So this guy's a complete fucking idiot, obviously. The one that that's doing all this. Oh, yeah. And the one that shot at him.
2: And, like, when, while I hear all this going over the police radios, that they've given me so much drugs, I, I'm right. Hire Willie Nelson. Sure.
0: Oh, no. that's You can't get that out. And
2: like <laughs> that. And, like, and like they kept moving me into these different rooms for MRIs, CAT scan scans, and... And I was just like, I got back, I was like, man, I really think I'm dreaming this. Because, like, I didn't know the cop was shot, I didn't know the truck driver.
0: You don't know anything except something. I I just keep hearing it on the radio,
2: and I'm just like, man, I'm having some crazy dreams with these meds you gave me. I'm like, I was like, cops got shot, and semi-truck driver got hijacked, and another guy got hijacked, and they're... Being held in the hostage. at something out of a movie. I was, I was like, the, whatever you gave me is crazy. I'm like, I can't believe I'm here. Great I said that's crazy. And then they just all looked at me and they're like, oh, that's happening.
0: Holy God.
2: And then that's when, when it started getting hard. I was, I couldn't stop thinking about the officer's family. She just got the same call that my wife
0: got. Right. The officer that he originally shot.
2: Yeah. It just started piecing together that this man, like I didn't know anything about him at that time. I'm like, man, he probably has a family. His wife just got the same call my
1: wife got. Well, where did he shoot the cop? In the face. No, I mean like where like where did that take place? Did that happen at the quick trip? No, that was uh, on the Illinois-Indiana border, so 20, 20 miles from so this was before he got to you. He had already killed a police officer.
2: Yeah, he killed the police officer, drug his body into the woods, then he hijacked a semi truck because he pulled it over with the squad car.
1: So it's a first rate criminal, this guy.
2: Well, he was rumored that he's wanted
1: for a shooting in Indiana. That's why he shot the cop because he didn't want to go back to prison. Okay. okay. So you start feeling, having these feelings of uh, what's what happened to the cop, or you feel bad about, you know, I remember you, you told me that when we first talked about, you know, having this uh, interview. You, you had some. Some anxiety about thinking about the cop and his family, right?
2: Uh, It it took me a little bit to reach out to her. Because after I got the whole story, I was just like, man, she doesn't want to hear from me. There's no way this lady would lost her husband, her best friend, her kid's dad. Does she really want to talk to another guy that got shot? Am I important to her? It took me a while to reach out. But I finally did. Good for you. It was, it was just one of those things where I wanted to know the story and just tell her I was there for her, but it was actually all of us victims that day we met. You did? No, yes. oh, that's that's cool. Yeah, her family. We met her family. We met the officers' family, her pastor, and their, their little town. Their little town's a little three thousand people town in southern.
0: Illinois. So this was the last thing they expected probably it's, in a tiny little town. It in
2: the police station's right across from the courthouse. It's and I was so glad I was I reached out to her. We all had different stories that day, but at the same ending. Yep. Like even the guy who got hijacked after me, he was with that guy for six, seven hours that day with a gun to his head. After me. After me. Mm. At, the, 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 I was just like, man. I know I got shot, but I was only with this guy one to three minutes. It I was like, literally, I got out of my car, he shot me, got out of my car. And I was like, you had to drive with this guy with a gun to your head, and then you got held hostage in some stranger's basement in Illinois. And I, I was just like, I, I can't believe that it like, that just doesn't make sense. Then I was like, then I started thinking, well, maybe there's think my story isn't this important because I didn't lose my life and I wasn't with the guy everyone else was with the guy for hours besides the officer
1: I would argue your story is more important because you are alive
2: and that, that's that's where my my mental health actually started going down because I was having survivor's guilt and I lived and the officer
1: died well what have you learned about survivor's guilt that's the first time I've ever heard that term that's interesting
2: I learned that it wasn't my time to go, and it's a situation that I can't control and all and like I've talked to the officer's wife uh in person and uh on facebook we we keep in touch and like Thanksgiving was a hard day because that was the first major holiday he wasn't there, okay, and it was just it's like I, you see everyone posts down thankful I was like. Can I really post? I'm thankful I'm alive. Am I going to offend her? And I
0: understand what you mean.
2: And that was just a thing. So I reached out to her. Good for you. I reached out to her on Thanksgiving. And I was like, I know today's hard. The next month's going to be hard. Right? The week after, it's going to be stupid hard. And
0: it just helped that we all like, still talked and worked through it together. She was probably very grateful for that. Yeah, it's extra support, you know. So how'd that conclude, that story? And, I, and we'll come back to the start of the back Well For uh, murdering the officer, she, So got, did they catch up, like, in the basement? In the Lord, or? they caught. Him. Okay. In Illinois? Yeah, SWAT team came in. The SWAT team was outside the house.
2: By that time, all the news cameras got there so they couldn't kill the guy. Oh, that's a shame. That, no, it, no, it upset me. I was upset that he didn't know. It really, really pissed me off that... He walked out of that house. I know that, that probably sounds wrong, but... It
0: doesn't sound uh, wrong. Uh, not it, it, when it, you got a shot and he's around shit with people. Those are the kind... Yeah, they, that, that guy's better off fucking not. <laughs> we're all better off. The world's better off. With but in, yeah.
2: in Illinois, he was given life with no possibility of parole. And St. Charles is deciding we're not going to press charges anymore because he wanted to come to St. Charles really bad there was prison chatter that he was gonna try to disrupt the caravan from the maximum security prison to St. Charles, and basically it was just a ceremonial, great, he's he's gonna get 30 years for shooting me. And it's like, the prosecuting attorney here in St. Charles County, he he said they got credible threats that they were gonna try to stop the caravan and let him escape, and I was like, if, if another officer died, so I could have my ceremonial day in St. Charles Court. I was already in court in Illinois. I was like, me and the other survivors, we'll, we'll testify every day of the week to put this guy down. Absolutely. It, at that point, it didn't make sense to bring him here to add 30 years onto life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. God, what a fucking story, though.
1: If, if he, forgive my egg yards here, but if he was extradited back to St. Charles would if he had a better chance to escape the life sentence that he got in Illinois?
2: No, it would have just been tacked on to his life sentence. Okay. Like, when he was waiting for his trial in Illinois, he actually did, like, a Shawshank Redemption, because they put him in solitary confinement, and you have to have your own shower in there. He peeled the metal shower away every night, and where the pipes came in, he took the wall, just like, broke down the wall and made a hole around the pipe, <laughs> And it went into a closet, a water closet that had in, they never opened. And he did it for months. He just dug around the pipe. There's the guy in Shawshank. That's what I'm saying. He's a saucer. lunatic, this guy. Because I got a call from one of the foster community attorneys in Illinois that he tried to escape uh, jail. And because he, he opened the water closet door and it sudden an alarm off, he was one door away from... Because there was an exit door right there. Oh, wow. He's one door away from sca- escaping from Mount Vernon prison, pardon, jail.
0: Yeah, that's where he's at now? No, he's at uh, some maximum security hmm. prison. You in- could probably rest assured that his life's absolutely miserable. I mean, that guy probably has nothing and probably just... Oh,
2: <laughs> well, right now he's trying to appeal his sentence because he said it,
1: that he was forced into a guilty plea. <laughs> yeah, good luck. Cool. So tell me this, a little bit of a shift here. What did this do? You're, you're a father as well, Yes. You've got one daughter. One daughter. She's how old? She is turning 11. So how did you and your wife handle telling her? Did you wait? I mean, how did, how did it work? It was such a big news story.
2: Like we, 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 we were talking about this while I was still in the hospital. Because I have some friends at a local news station and that anchor actually texted my wife while we were in the hospital. And uh, they were like, we'd like Brian to give us the exclusive story. now oh, the media.
0: And I'm like, I'm still in high. School. How they fucking feeling. <laughs> Let's ask them that. For, okay.
2: <laughs> well, no, they're, they're, they're just doing their jogging. And I know it was just crazy how she found my wife's phone number. Because sure. it's not connected to my friends that work at the TV station. Of course. they're They're, they're both... Great guys, and they respected me and understand where I was at that time. And that's awesome. And then it's like, then I realized because I didn't have my phone or anything. I was in a trauma room. I just see we well, didn't have any clothes. God, I didn't have clothes. I was just literally sitting there in a the trauma room uh, with a hundred different nurses coming in and doctors and detectives and different police agencies. I didn't know who was who, and I, I just. And I was like, man, I, this is just... Do you remember when your wife came in? Yes. She was very distraught when she came in. Right. Understandably so. But she was glad to see that I was breathing and alive and... Yeah. Excuse me. And pretty good spirit still for what happened and for a man who's been
1: shot in the chest.
2: I, I felt a lot better once I was in the hospital. I felt... Safer. I felt secure. Okay. Because before I got in an ambulance, the truck driver who got kidnapped, he's like, get in my truck. I'm taking you to the hospital. And I was like, fuck you. Right. I was like, I don't know who you are. That boy, I don't, I don't trust anybody. I, I, that, I, didn't, I didn't have any trust. I'm like, I'm going to an ambulance. No, no, I'll get you there right away.
0: Yeah. No, yeah. You, can't trust, you can't trust nobody but the quick trip employees. You know, always trust
2: them.
0: Man. Wow. So day-to-day struggles that you have with that now, if you don't mind talking about those.
2: Dick, day to day, I've been doing pretty good. I I got on some
1: medicine and see my psychiatrist regularly. It's this is about as clear a cut case of PTSD as you can find. Sure, yes. It, it's
2: the day of the incident. It it brought back some bad bad memories because as soon as I got in my car that day, just uh,
0: I went somewhere and. The song, Those Who Didn't Make It Back Cool, came on it. talking about last week when it was yeah. one-year anniversary? Yeah, I do. This was late December 2021. Yeah. No, or, December 29th.
2: 2021. Yeah. And I literally just pulled over and broke down.
0: That's okay.
2: Yeah, yeah you're a human being. There's just one of those things where... And, and I knew that people were going to be... I was more worried about her, her family. And I was just like... I know people want to do right to her, but like some people planned a memorial and she never it, and yeah. she just wanted to be away. And it's, that, that was a hard day. Christmas was a hard day because I was thinking of her and like we had a nice long conversation on Christmas Eve.
0: Mate, you're, uh, uh, all, I'm, all I'm really hearing here is how you're just extremely compassionate and care about other people. Which is incredible through especially what you're going through, and all you seem to be mostly concerned with, even in the heat of the actual shooting, is this 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 this, this, this wife this this widow now, and that's incredible man. that's you, something you should honestly be very proud of that uh, that's the hardest thing to get over for me that's that speaks a lot to your character like
2: i can like do I want the guy that died in prison
0: yeah it was uh,
2: right yeah i mean do you then I, I know that that sounds wrong but it's uh,
0: it not, too, hurt, not too many. It wouldn't hurt my feelings. It doesn't sound wrong to too many. I think I think we're all... And it may have you know. they
2: but, but, like, over this whole process, it, it really helped when organizations reached out and paid off her mortgage
0: and... Wow, that's incredible. Yeah,
2: her, her old mortgage is taken care of. Her car payments are taken care of. Her husband's goal was to start a Christmas tree farm, and they're actually... Just started planting trees. Oh, man, that's cool. Do they have children? Do they have children? Yes, they have three children. And I knew it had to be hard on the children. And, and, like, that's my biggest thing is why did I live and why did he die? Sure. And for the longest time, it, I didn't think it was fair that history kids don't have a dad. Even though... Through the devastation of my daughter, of course. There's just one of those things where I couldn't get over
1: that
0: there's an empty space. Their their their
2: life's never going to be the same.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's that's uh, again uh, speaks to your character. I, I, I'm seriously impressed with how much compassion you have for others. Um, and that I think that's incredible, man. That's incredible that you're you, you're consistently thinking about the other victims. And the think what are some of the things that you had to, in your
1: mind because of what happened. Teach your daughter, you know, do with her for your daughter. I think because this is very when you have a child, I think it changes the you know. If you were a single guy, it'd be a totally different. Like
2: we 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 knew we had to tell her about it that day because it was on every news channel, right. It was on Facebook, multiple sites. Had, like, people didn't know it was me, but we knew if the news station already knew my name, everybody's gonna know my name. Right. And so, my wife emailed her teacher and told her what happened, and if she asked questions and go ahead and tell her, but we wanted to be the ones to tell her because there was no making this where it wasn't me. Right. So, we just told her that night that daddy's safe and the bad guy's in jail and and then she just asked a few questions and we we're like well he's gonna be away forever so he's not gonna hurt us again so she was understanding and she didn't really have any questions and way you really don't talk about it much with her because with her being 10 it's right like her yeah. Still have the best life, and no need to bog her down with with that. But if she had questions, so I'd tell her. Right, be there if she needs you to. But not, like, not like yeah. She wasn't there at the
0: trial or anything. Or, so you did go to the trial. Well, yeah, I was a witness. I was wild. Wow. was witness one on the stand. So you had to stare and look at that guy. Was that how? What kind of feelings did that bring back? Anger. Oh, I, mean, I was really angry. Yeah. Because, like, I didn't get to see most of the trial
2: because I was in a... They put me in a separate room with the other victims. With, we had a room
0: full of deputies with us. Like, if I had to pee, the deputy had to pee with me. Make sure you're not going to go out there and strangle a fucker well, or something, probably.
2: And the, just this little town was so secure.
0: Oh, this was the town in Illinois. Yeah, this okay. was in a small town in Illinois where the police are, where he shot the police. Are. Yes. Oh, man, I'm I bet he got a fucking whooping in that jail cell. Oh, my God, when they arrested him. He probably felt apart with some stuff. Oh my goodness! Hopefully, um, wow, man. So that I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine the anxiety that you probably had building up to this trial, knowing you have to go and see this person again.
2: It, it was really nervous because like they brought down some big-weak Chicago attorneys, just to defend him. No, uh, for, for the prosecute Right, and like they went not want the small town local county. Lawyer to handle speeding tickets to handle this, so that they sure. and like meeting with them the first time, I was just like, "I was like, man, this is just crazy," and especially with this being such a small town and small county, the town happened to be the county seat, and it was just like the police cars round town square. He had like a fifty car caravan was. Heavy, they all had AR-15s that were surrounding the building. There's snipers on the roof. I'm like... This is like something out of the movie. I I was just like, man. And like, because we walked in there with uh, Wayne County Sheriff Department. They they walked us into the courtroom after. Like, when he came up, they wanted to keep us at the police station. I was like, nah, I'm walking up there.
0: Right, yeah.
2: I'm going to let him see me before he goes in the courtroom. Good for you.
0: Did he stare you in the eye? No. But not cowardly. It it, it
2: didn't. He didn't look me in the eye until I was up on the the stand, and I just I just stared at him until he looked at me. Good for you. I I was answering all the questions, but I was I wasn't looking at the lawyers or the judge. I was just staring at him until he made eye contact with me.
0: Man, that had to be a tough day. And had to, like, even the build-up, like I said, I had to bring back that, to
2: that, that day, it was actually, it felt good. Were you only there one day? We were there that? one day since he had a guilty plea. Oh. But they still had all the witness statements and impact statements, and, mm-hmm. like, after I got off the stand, uh, Wayne Jones the officers, they took me downstairs, and they just all wanted to hear my story for what, uh,
0: trying to help their things. So instead of being an anxiety ridden day it was kind of probably almost like a relieving kind of... It was a relieving day because we were home and I'd never have to deal with him again
2: the officer's wife and the other victims would never have to see this guy again but it's like now he just doesn't want to go away with all of his appeal processes I and mean, all that stuff it's just... He's going to He's not going to pick it And that's why I'm glad he didn't, that we didn't come back to St. Charles with it. I didn't want him to see my family. I didn't want him to have a chance to escape. I didn't want him to be that close to where I live.
0: Sure, yeah.
2: And and another 30 years wouldn't have done anything for me. It, it It would have felt good to watch him suffer again, but. I didn't want to give him that chance to escape. Because if another officer would have died, I, w- I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been able to handle it.
1: I, w- I would have... It would have just wrecked me. So you get shot on December 29th, 2021. When, what date was that trial? That liberating day where you were able to get up on that? It was in mid-April. Okay, so five, six months ahead, or four 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 and a half months ahead or whatever. At that point, were you already working vigorously on both your physical improvements and then also to, to handle the PTSD and the mental side? At, at that point, I was just working on physical.
2: Okay. Because like, I could, like, I could pull my pants up. I couldn't open up. Like, and that made me feel helpless. Because, like, my wife was on Christmas spring because she's a teacher, and like, her and my daughter were able to open a water bottle or, wow. Well, open things yeah. you take for granted for granted like like the first time trying tried to open a water bottle I had it between my knees and I turned it, it sprayed
0: S- squeezed it with your legs
2: and, and it just defeated I can't do I can't put pants on you told me
1: the shower was a challenge as well
2: oh, the, the shower like I had I had to like lean my head against the wall and because I couldn't use my arm and had to use a shower wand or it's just What? Everyday basic task. Like when my wife went back to work, I had to eat. So I got pizza rolls because it was easy. I couldn't open the bag. So now this one I'm just frustrated. I can't open a bag of pizza rolls. Yeah. (laughs) So I used my head, put my head on the counter, get one of those big roasting forks and just rip the bag open. Pizza rolls everywhere everywhere. But there's enough right I could put them in the air fryer. And then I the, the ones are were London, I had I around my wife's like
0: Did Wolverine come in? I was like <laughs> 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 Wow man, shit. I, I was just like I can't do basic task. So how long did that last? Till you were at the, um, I was out of work over a month
2: and then I was able to start coming up with ways of doing because, like, at first, like, my fingers were out, but there was so much blood, they looked like elephant fingers. Yeah. And that, that I couldn't do anything, just any movement on the arm just literally just was the worst pain ever. Getting up out of a chair or even using your other arm it just... I was in physical therapy for 10 months. At the first month, I didn't think I was going to ever use my arm again because, like, she's like, make arm circles. And I'm like, wow. Like even to get like the X-rays, I'd get X-rays every month to see how I was and I couldn't even take the sling off myself. I had to have the nurse take a sling off, to put a shirt on. My wife had to put a shirt on me.
1: It was just like, so the physical toll takes around ten months for you to, from start to finish, to get you physically where you want to be. And the day that I met you, when I was telling you about the podcast that the Brandon and I are going to do. You even said, "You know what, what's the podcast going to be about?" I said, "Mental health." And you're, I'll never forget it. You, your exact words were, oh, "I'm going to see my doctor today." So my question is, when did you know that you needed to start working on your mental health and on your brain, in addition to what you were doing physically? Probably about a month or two after. But the problem
2: was getting an appointment. Because th- hear t- that? It took me ten range, baby.
1: It took me ten months to get my first appointment. <clears throat> it took you ten months to get. A mental health appointment after you'd been shot. Is that what I'm hearing? That is so fucked up. That makes me sick. That's like... That's That's just ridiculous. We've covered a lot of things here. Let's take a quick break and come back to Street Smart. We've been here for over 70 years, giving back to community charities, local organizations, and youth athletics. And now we're the official automotive sponsor of St. Louis City SC. We've been here, providing the best car buying experience to our customers. Lou Fuse, we are here with the respect you deserve for 70 years and counting.
0: get the respect that you need.
1: Welcome back to Street Smart. Let's dig back in.
2: What did you do that in those ten months? Well, I had a lot of people that, like, my family was supportive. People that I didn't know on Facebook were supportive. That's awesome. People from your group reached out because they figured out who it was, and it just, while we well, work employees, and so you had support. I had support, not professional help, not professional help, but the support. It actually, like, even when I posted the day uh, I got shot on Facebook this year, there was 289 people that had a reaction to that. And there was 100 and something comments. So it made me feel good that there was mm-hmm. people there. And I had only posted that... Uh, my friends and family and their friends. Not, it wasn't completely public. I didn't post it and photo posting in your group. There about the hundred thousand reddit it.
1: Heart emojis, of course. You said something the day that I met you when we first started talking about this that still sits with me. And you, I asked you. What you're, when I learned about everything that happened and and, and I, when I met you, like I would have never guessed this happened to you, but you met him at a car dealership. Just yeah. random. T- I met him at work. He was deep. I traded in my car. He had a new car with him. He sold me yeah. at the Is That's just a random yeah. chance encounter. Like, yeah. And that's a whole other story in itself. But I remember what you said to me that day when I asked you, what was the most important thing that helped you get better? And you said your support system. Mm-hmm. And I think we have all, you just painted the picture. It's not. The therapies and the doctors It's your friends, it's your friends at work It's your friends at home, it's your family It's your your friends on Facebook And that, unless I'm wrong, I mean that was a big You know, stepping stone For those people to help you
2: Like it was really like the the first It was like The first set of help was meeting the officer's wife And meeting the other victims The first time we met Like the officer's brother Or his officer's sister was there other members of her family, some of her support system, her palisier was there, I lit, it's like they they've been comforting her, and then all of a sudden now they're comforting me,
0: and like accepted you in like 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 I'm part of the community. Yeah, no, and and but I think that this speaks to what you're saying is is a lot of people think that they're totally alone all the time they think they automatically assume that they are alone they have no support but you can speak to it you had no idea you're waiting for professional help you're thinking fucked what am i doing i don't feel good and then all of a sudden the support comes over and once you say something to somebody and people know about it they're like they're here for you complete strangers and i think a lot of people don't know that there's that much support if you just ask for it or tell people you need it You know what I mean? Yeah, man. People are afraid to talk. Right. They're afraid to talk about
1: these things that happen. Obviously, your case is rather extreme, but a lot of people, you know, they're afraid to talk about any of it. Yep. I've never
2: felt alone in some of those days I was trying to be getting when my wife went back to work and I'm trying to
1: open pizza rolls and it's bright. bright Right. Yeah. Once you did, like, finally get some, some professional help. Like I
2: actually ordered a pizza one day, and I told the guy, "I need you to bring it inside to me."
0: He's like, <laughs> He's like, "That sounds creepy. He didn't feed it to me. I'll tip you well." I' <laughs> you sure." I was like, I'd <laughs> tip you well. I just need the pizza brought to my living room." No, oh, that guy was probably like. He's like, I did not a skin Yeah. Buffalo Bill or Bob or whatever the fuck that guy's name was. When you did finally get
1: to a therapist or a counselor, or whatever mental health therapist, you know, could help you, were there things that you learned that really helped your situation?
2: Dude, their main thing right now is making sure that. I'm a, I'm trying to stay positive. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to talk, because I've been with, like you didn't even ask my wife. I, I don't show my feelings well. I've never showed emotion, and like, well, you're an American male over forty. It's just having nothing. Rules, I don't. Sure, it doesn't. mean I just I don't have emotions on most things, right? And. It's to make sure that I know it's okay to talk about anything, open up it, a and say what I'm feeling. Sure. It's, it's just all about for me taking care of myself. Yes. Making sure I feel important. I love it. I love it. And, it's, and she, she even said, make sure you keep talking with people. If you ever have a bad day, make sure you talk to
0: somebody. So it's, And it doesn't have to be a psychiatrist. No, no. No, not at all. It doesn't have to be a doctor. With,
1: see, because that's one of the things we want to do with this podcast and this information and this content is, you know, we want to talk to different people and we want to know what kind of things do you do on a daily basis now that you're physically, you're healthy, you've gotten through arguably one of the hardest things anybody would ever have to deal with. What kind of things are you doing on a daily basis, whether it's, exercise or journaling or, um, you know, going in for talk therapy, like are there th- certain things that you lean on every day or like once a week. Well, every day I just like,
2: if I'm feeling down, I make sure I talk to somebody. It's that's like, I don't write things down in a journal. I don't. Yeah. Everybody, I, I don't meditate. I don't yeah.
0: light candles. <laughs> no, I literally t- I lit a candle <laughs> if anybody's listening. <laughs> <laughs> but I like peppermint fucking sir, it's certainly mell- no, it's melted no, about uh, no,
1: it, it's Christmas. <laughs> so, but to your point. Like and, I mean the brand and I were talking about this yesterday. Everybody does things a little bit differently to make themselves feel in a better way, right? And you know, I think it's interesting all the things you've gone through in the last what, thirteen months or twelve months, like you know, whatever I- I'm interested to hear what you think works best for you.
2: For me, what works best is just knowing that there are people out there for me if I need anything. Because like, I still don't show much emotion mm-hmm. I, and, and that, I know that could be a bad thing, but I know that I can reach out to a number of people if I was having a bad day.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And that, that's the thing that's most important is that like even just from that Facebook post, like people that I really don't talk to and they make it a comment and that just made me feel that maybe I've talked in 20 years I think you'd still be there yeah good looking out because I, I know everyone talks to everyone in high school with so, you know, everyone from college and he had that core group but and, and it's like I have people even that my worked that one because there's a couple guys there that uh, also have PTSD because they're in the army and so they understand that we can just talk about it together. and That happens every once in a while because one guy's been to Iraq and Afghanistan six times. And Holy hell, wow. So uh, we certainly support the service of all the veterans. So he, he actually <laughs> helps out a lot.
0: I'm having a bad day.
2: He's on a bad day. We can...
0: it's, it, it all comes down to knowing that people are there. People are there for you if you, if you let them know. All these people that suffer in silence and they don't say shit, if they just said something, they'd see how many people are there that maybe feel exactly the same, that are there for them, even if they don't feel exactly. It's just, it's amazing how much people are actually there if you just look for it or let them know you need it. Yeah, and it's it's just like,
2: I see that where people will post, like in your group, some guy, they had a suicide post a few weeks ago. Hey, what do you mean? What? I What would? What, what happened? He was saying that uh, he just thought he no one was there for him. Okay. And then people, random strangers, never met this guy. Reach out to his family to go check on him. Well, then
0: yep. Uh, hundreds and hundreds of comments of people telling you know, hey, we're here. We're here for you. Whatever you need, to let us know. Reach out to us. We're here. Has anybody talked to him? Has anybody heard from him? I, I called somebody's like we called the I mean, all the moderators reached out to him too. Like, I mean, within all you gotta do is tell people you you need to talk, you know? Yes. That's it, that, man. Just just me you need to talk. And and it's crazy. Like, this guy never met a single one of those people. He had over a thousand people trying to reach him. That's amazing. That have never fucking heard of him, met him, none of that.
1: Makes me feel better about social media.
0: That's social so. media social media can be extremely powerful it can be extremely destructive but it could be also extremely positive if used properly it sounds like that social media helped you
1: quite a bit it was to have that reinforcement of support
2: it helped at the very beginning because when I was all alone and then I could just tell my story because people want to hear it because they've heard it on the news yeah and then you start, but then this is where social media is bad. But pages is done not even on, it's like I got whacked at the QT and left to die and didn't even make it. And I and I, I was like, I'm still alive. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I I, on. I,
2: I it and it was just like the story, like kept changing. It was like the game telephone when we were kids, and you could just see it, like going down the comment section, changing. And like there was like ten people dead and. Yeah, yeah. There was a mass shootout at the quick trip. I'm like...
0: That's where the internet can be destructive and stupid. Huh? But yeah, I
1: mean, I'm glad you had those people, maybe, they, like you said, you hadn't seen recently, but you knew them from back in the day, whether it was high school, college time, and they're saying, hey, we got an eye out, you know, good, good on you to, to stick with it. I mean, you know, I know that when you got shot, obviously your adrenaline had to be out of this world, and then you wound up in the... Uh, in the quick trip and then they got you in the ambulance. Was there any point there that you felt you were going to die?
2: When I, when I got up and started seeing the amount of blood coming through my coat, because I had a winter coat
1: on. Okay, yeah, December.
2: And that's what was concerning. And with my bleeding disorder, I was like, this ain't good now, right? So that's when I came the self-care right away and tried to make a tourniquet out of my coat, I'm using my teeth because I can't move this arm. I don't know exactly like I know I'm shot around here somewhere. Right. I don't know if it came out yet.
0: I didn't know that it Yeah. I knew something Would you? I knew something was wrong. And Bray, you I... don't know if there's a bullet in your body or not. You, you don't know where it hit if it hit your if it didn't hit a heart did it hit evolved and it
1: hit Yeah, and I was like, can we get my surgery? Am I gonna die at a quick trip? Hey, I just wondered that because Certainly, I don't know what it's like to have that much adrenaline going in my body, but I know what it's like to have a lot of adrenaline. And the way you explained it, how you get shot, you go down, you get up, you go in the store, then they had you in the ambulance and they were messing with you. I just wondered, like, was everything so juiced up that you never really had time to think, well, I might die right here, or was it the other way? I, when the two or three minutes waiting for the St.
2: Peter's police to get there, it seemed like an eternity about all of it. I just see my blood dripping on quick trips floor in a huge puddle. And I'm on land. I can't imagine life. my life. Just I'm dying in a quick
1: trip, right?
2: Wow. wow. When, when the cops got there, it made me feel a little bit better. Then the paramedics got there. It made me
0: in. And then when you got to the hospital,
2: you're once I got to the trauma room, like I was feeling good. There, There's a picture where you can still see, like, I'm laying down the blood just pouring out still in the trumpet room. And
0: just smile and give it a thumbs up. Look, morphine out here for the
2: By the end of the day, like, I thought I was like, they had me so run so many different painkillers. Kill- oh, yeah. I could kill my body. Right.
0: Wow. Had to. I had an asked ladies, like, have legs. Yeah. She's like, yes. I know I was shot in the arm, but did I lose my legs for any freaks? Uh, I was like, I don't feel my legs. That's nuts. Now, were you a guy away from all this? Did you were you were Are you a
1: hunter? You handle guns? Do you deal with guns at all? Or is this kind of like an isolated gun incident? Thank isolated you. gun incident. Totally. I, it doesn't bother me
2: that people have guns. I think it's uh, their American right to, to, Yeah, and I frankly admit, yeah. I'm not enough to work on go anywhere. always with my daughter she's always been the curious type and I didn't think it'd be ever safe to have us have a gun in the house just she likes to explore and so we went that way with it but like a lot of my friends they have the whole arsenal so it's not really a big deal Mike yeah they, they even asked me uh if the AR-15 in my car was mine, I was like, when I left my car, there was a cup of coffee. <laughs> that was
0: all. <laughs> there was a- AR-15, how the hell did an AR-15 get in your car? What do you mean? He had a bag of guns. Oh, the guy did? Yeah. And he left a few in your car? Yeah. Wow. That's I was like, great. I had a cup of coffee. Want yeah, look? no, I was just going to work. <laughs> I was just drinking a cup of coffee on my way to the fucking sell some cars. Wow. I, I was like, that's, Probably not, but I don't think I brought one with me today, no. I don't.
1: So when you start moving along and working on your mental health and working with, you know, whether they're doctors, counselors, therapists, whatever, did you experiment with any medication? Did you try anything? Has anything been good? Has anything been bad?
2: I have just been, a couple months ago, put on so loft. Okay. About the problem It keeps me up all night. Okay. So now they're suggesting... THC gummies to help with the sleep I mean it won't kill you no and like I actually had to use them at the very beginning too because I was talking pain bills like they were M&M's man <laughs> we don't want you to get them to help and so then I I was able to get some gummies to help me go sleep and it was weird that I'm 42 years old, and that's when I am starting with marijuana
1: adventure in my life. That's all right. This is some gummies. Yeah, I mean, did they tell you, or did they have you take an indica to sleep? Yes, good.
2: And it, it really, because like the first two weeks, I watched all on Netflix. Sure. I sure I I had you know, everything <laughs> in the library. I, I even got it to where the little button come up where it just pick shows for you.
0: And you just play it, plug it, I don't care what it is.
1: It and it would it, just be random movies on my like, Sounds good. Beautiful. It's really interesting to hear you talk about how the painkillers were, you know, a thought of beginning. Zoloft was kind of so-so and the oh. cannabis is... How long have you been doing the cannabis? Well, I
2: just started back up on the gummies again for sleep because it's only been like a month with the Zoloft.
1: And okay. So now I'm back on that so I can sleep at night. It's just... Yeah, I mean, I think, and we'll talk about this probably a thousand times on this podcast, but sleep it is just paramount.
2: Well, the, it's literally the first two weeks. I, I would doze off for... An hour. I was in my recliner. Okay. I'd doze off like at four o'clock in the morning. And all of a sudden at 5 o'clock, it's painful again. This is when you're taking this a No, this is when I was just shot.
0: And oh, okay. Just? Oh, you know, nothing. Pay pills? Okay. Oh, yeah. It sounds miserable, to see, it, it, in such pain that you can't sleep.
2: Because, like, I had asked, I had, I had a pillow next to me, the chair just on my arm, can I have some support? But, like, do I fall asleep? Like, moved on it, it's like, it was just, but the pain was so intense till the bone started infusing, and I could. It's just like, damn. And like, my my daughter had like a volleyball tournament, and I this was like the week after, and like, I can barely keep my eyes open at it. And I'm just
0: I'm trying to be the get paid and be there. It's understandable, though. You know, that's your. And, and, and again, it comes back to me. You're just a compassionate dude. Like, you're just worried about everybody else. And I think that's fantastic. I think that's fantastic. But I really think that, you know, it's okay for you to feel the way you're feeling. And I think that you should. I'm no expert but um, stop feel, I, I, I try not to feel so guilty.
2: I it's on a day-to-day basis, I'm better. It's just Thanksgiving, Christmas, and December, December. 29th were.
1: Yeah, That's but... For the end. I mean, understandable. I mean, my guess would be, you know, maybe you even mentioned this, when we were talking about it before, um, before the podcast. Like, as time goes on, you know, it'll probably... Become a little bit easier, but yeah, when you're talking about what just happened so recently, and and you know, I'm sh- obviously we all feel for the officer his children and his wife. I mean, I I understand where you're coming from with that, brother. I mean, that's uh, that's as intense a situation as you could ever dream up, and you couldn't even make this up. This
0: is it's, it. Literally, your story could be a blockbuster fucking movie, man. I mean, it, it's it's yeah. crazy that whole that whole and thing.
2: And the, the like towards the beginning is like especially when I realized that it, he lost his, his kids don't have a dad, his wife doesn't have a spouse anymore, and then the other people were with the guy hours, and was just like, I was with this guy for under a fucking minute. Mm-hmm. yeah. And everyone else was with him. Cause like, I couldn't be imagined being held at gunpoint and drove to Illinois.
1: No, being held hostage.
2: Yeah, yeah. And like even the other victim told me he knew the gun just got shot because it was burning his temples he was pushing it into his head.
0: So he knows that that guy is obviously not afraid to pull the trigger for this whole drive. That's intense. That's intense, man. Shit.
2: But it's like, then I was wondering at first, why did he want my car and not come in the passenger seat like he did it with everybody else? Because that's, with uh, the semi-driver
0: and then the other driver after me, I was like, why'd he want my car? He was probably thinking, what's the quickest way to get the hell out yeah, of he there? I was about to tell everybody what the fuck just happened. He was, he was trying
1: to move fast to get out of there, I think, because obviously the guy who was in, inside the Gat, or the quick Trip, who he'd been held hostage for however many you know, hours, he was going to let people know, hey, this guy's trouble. Um, it, it's like the other guy even made
2: a break when he was in the people's basement when the guy wasn't looking, then the SWAT team was
1: already outside. Right. So he made his break, too. I just want to say that, like, your story is grit and perseverance and what a husband should do, you know, to be there for his family, even though you were the one that was injured, what you've done as a father to get back. I mean, it doesn't... To get back to where you are now is truly remarkable. Like, you know, I want to tell the story real quick about the day that I actually met both of you in person. I talked to Brandon on the phone a handful of times, but you know, I go in to get this trade in my car. You, Brian, you happen to be my car salesman. And, you know, sometimes at the car dealership, you got to wait for paperwork or whatever. And, and you said to me, you know, what are you doing today? I said, well, i am meeting this guy, you know, to talk about a mental health podcast. And you were like, Oh yeah, we, we need more of that. I'm going to see my doctor today, and he said, "Well, who is it?" I said, "His name's Brandon like, Oh, I know him. I'm on his uh, his group on the Facebook. I said, "Awesome, you know." So that to me, and then you started telling me your story, and you know, your 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 story is obviously textbook PTSD from what you had experienced, it, and you know, obviously you're going to battle it, and you've battled it great. You're gonna you're gonna battle it moving forward, and and I just think that the amount of grit and perseverance that you have because by the time I met you, which was six or seven weeks ago, you had finished your physical therapy, you were working on your mentals, and if I if you wouldn't had to if you wouldn't have told me what happened to you, I would have never had a clue. And so to me, that's somebody who's made an incredible turnaround in the tip of the cap to you, brother. And in such a short amount of time. Yeah. I mean
2: it it's it helps to... they're like at first, when I was meeting all the people from Southern Illinois, it was, like, kind of strange. Because you didn't really know them. Don't know them, and they're yeah. coming, coming out to me and just telling me who they like. Because finally, it was just the officer, his wife and their family. That was great. But then it started, like, man. I was like, now it's their pasture and people from their town and the sheriff. And it was just, but then I was like, they're here to help me, and
1: with it, they're part of that support group that you mentioned.
2: Yeah, and they're, they're like, wait, we still have, follow me on Facebook, follow them now, and it's just, we have a new family.
0: That's right. A family, yeah, uh, that's amazing, man. A family support system you wouldn't have known about had you not said something, you know, that, that just goes back to people just need to not be afraid to talk about it, not be afraid to ask, ask for help. Well, cool, Brian. Uh, where where do you work at? By the way, Napleton Honda. Napleton Honda. We're at St. Peter's. St. Peter's Crossroads Red Rivers Mall. Brian, go see Brian if you guys are if you guys are listening and you want to you get a car. Brian at Napleton Honda at St. Peter's. Brian Royce. Cool, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for being uh, so so open, sharing so much with us and our listeners. I mean, dude, it's an it's 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 an honor to have you on. I mean, thanks for having. No, thank thank Never you. If we could help one person, That's- I think it's going to help oh, I'm a lot many. Yeah, yeah, man. Okay. Thanks again. We'll, we'll
1: certainly check back in with you. The, the fact that uh, you're here with us is
0: amazing. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh to the listeners, thank you, thank you for listening in. Mental health is important. We're going to talk about. It. We're going to keep talking about it. We're going to make it cool to talk about it. reach Smart Mental Health Podcast. We got plenty more to come. So we'll be talking to you.